0: On January 7th, 29-year-old Ty Nichols was pulled over by the Memphis Police Department. By the time the encounter was over, Mr. Nichols would have been beaten, tased, restrained, and transported to a hospital where he would die from his injuries several days later. Now the Memphis community is bracing itself for both the release of the body cam footage of the incident as well as for charges against the officers involved. We are joined this morning by Amber Sherman, an organizer with Decarcerate Memphis and a member of Black Lives Matter Memphis. She is a native Memphian and a nationally known political strategist, activist, organizer, and host of her own podcast called The Law According to Amber. Good morning, Amber. Good morning, Hayek. Thanks so much for joining us. Amber, I always start with the humanity of our people because they are so much more than the incident that has them in the headlines. Can you tell us Mm -hmm. what um, y'all have learned about who Ty Nichols was as a human being
1: yeah, Tyree Nichols uh, was a skateboarder who loved photography. Um, his mom said that most nights um, for his lunch break, he would go to Shelby Farms to watch the sunset. He loved to take pictures of the sunset. Um, but most importantly, he just loved to skateboard, had been doing it since he was six years old, um, and had perfected his craft. was really good. I saw some great videos. He could do tricks. I mean, he was talented.
0: He was also a photographer, correct?
1: yeah um he would take pictures of the sunset he has a four year old son who would take pictures of as well um and was just kind of doing his own thing his parents uh often called him a free spirit, and I think that's a beautiful thing especially for a black man um when you know we don't often mm. get that, that chance to be called a free spirit um gotcha. and he definitely just he just lived his life how he wanted.
0: And the other um, piece of his humanity that I've been reading about is how close he was to his mother. They had dinner together um, most evenings, and he had actually moved to Memphis uh, pre-the COVID lockdown to be with her and then Mm -hmm. uh, remained there over these last three years, yeah? Yeah, and uh, she talked about how he had got stuck over here, but he didn't care because he was with his mom,
1: um, and they had such a close relationship. He was the youngest of his siblings. Um, And they just were the closest.
0: Her baby. Um, Amber, what do we know about what happened on January 7th? Please walk us through the incident.
1: So Tyree was uh, stopped for a traffic stop. We have um, different enforcement units here. So the Scorpion unit, which is uh, a new multi-level gang unit, was used to stop him for a traffic stop. The Scorpion Unit is usually made up of eight people. Um, so far, we know that five people were, uh, five, five of the officers were the ones that were attacking him. Um, and then the other three are still being investigated. Um, after he was stopped by the traffic stop, he fled um, on foot and they caught up with him and literally beat him to
0: death. I'm sorry. First of all, what kind of name is Scorpion Unit?
1: Yeah,
0: I mean, uh,
1: it like stands that, for that, that, acronym, and I yeah, can't remember what the acronym stands for, but it's it's some weird acronym that they came up with here. And the deputy police, she said, the goal of it was to flood high crime areas with these technical units, with the goal that it would deter crime, but. For, since they've been started last year, they've been used for traffic enforcement. Um, and there's even people who have had incidents with the squad unit that explain how violent they were, that they just immediately approach you with violence, um, immediately putting guns to your head, yelling at you, throwing you to the ground. Like there's no actual um, process happening there.
0: Not that I'm often looking for logic inside of the practices and policies of police departments has the chief said anything about why a gang unit has been being utilized to do traffic stops
1: no she hasn't said anything um but she did put out a press release a press conference last night saying that they will be investigating the different tactical units one thing about memphis uh that i always like to to um educate people on is that we have several tactical gang units that are used here the multi-level gang unit the organized crime unit scorpion they're always creating these different task force to over police black people specifically um and they were they're often used in traffic enforcement usually in unmarked cars and plain clothes the mgu the ocu and the scorpion unit and any other units they create they're they're usually plain clothes officers or in hoodies which is I mean, I honestly wouldn't trust someone pulling me over in a hoodie on my car. Uh, I mean, this is not, it's just not a good look for traffic enforcement,
0: and to me, isn't helpful. Right. A- Amber, can you talk a little bit about traffic enforcement being, you know, traffic enforcement stops, uh, pretextual stops, racial profiling, whatever you want to call it, uh, the stalking mm-hmm. of our people being one of the primary ways, actually, that black folks end up entangled with the criminal legal system?
1: Yeah, so that's some of the main work that we've been doing with Decarcerate Memphis. Uh, we actually just presented to the city council last December on the research that we did around traffic enforcement. Uh, one thing about Memphis uh, is that they don't freely give you any kind of data or information around really any enforcement, but specifically traffic enforcement. So we have to do freedom of information information requests over and over and over again to compile data from 2017 to 2021 about traffic citations. Um, and the data we compiled specifically only gave uh, traffic citation, so it just stops we didn't get data on because we wanted to actually see who was being cited. Um, and over 90% of those were defendants of color. And black men were being cited 3.4 times more often than white men, and black women were being cited 4.7 times more often than white women. And we warned them of how dangerous it was and that the traffic patrols were specifically being concentrated in low-income areas. And as the median income of a zip code decreased, the drivers were appearing more frequently in court.
0: I've spent some time in, in Memphis, uh, some time in Tennessee, the Highlander Center. I, I mean, I will say Memphis is actually one of my favorite um, cities on the planet. I, I also, uh, you you can't be in Memphis and not notice, you know, the sharp racial disparities um, yeah. that, that are entangled into the social and cultural fabric of the city. I, Amber, I can't imagine uh, a, a white person driving down Memphis streets, being pulled over by the Scorpion unit, drug out of their car, and beaten because they may have ran a stop sign. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, it doesn't happen. Um, they're specifically focused in, in the areas I grew up in, in Hickory Hill and East Memphis um, and Orange Mound and South Memphis. And you'll see them pull up on people three, four cars deep on one person like ordering them to the ground, and it's extremely violent. Never seen it happen to white people.
0: And this is, of course, what happened to 29-year-old Ty Nichols. What types of injuries did he sustain?
1: Uh, according to the autopsy that the um, that his attorney um, retained, like an independent autopsy, there was excessive bleeding. Um, his dad said that he was beaten unrecognizable. When they came to the hospital, they didn't even recognize who was in the hospital bed because his face was so swollen, so dismembered. Um, he did not look like himself at all. And I saw the pictures of what he looked like before. I definitely would not have thought that that was Tyree. I mean, they they just beat him viciously. As the attorney said, they, he was treated like a human pinata, and and you can tell looking at the pictures. Uh, Of him previously before the interaction
0: and in the hospital. Y'all, I mean, we all are still waiting for the body, uh, cam footage to be released. The community is already inflamed and enraged. Um, your, your, your police chief, uh, is, is telling folks that they should be peaceful. Um, the five cops have already uh, been fired, not suspended, not, you know, placed on administrative leave. So we can only imagine how bad um, this footage mm-hmm. is about to be. A- as as an organizer in the community that deals with this issue, how are you all preparing your community for the trauma that is is, is about to to consume you all, I can only imagine? Yeah,
1: uh, I mean, the main main thing I've been saying to folks um, and that we've been talking about in our, our BLM chapters, they're like, you don't have to watch a video to believe that someone was murdered. Um, we've already been moving around policy and getting the, the end of pretextual traffic stops written into an ordinance. We've already um, gotten the data transparency Act written into an ordinance with the city council that's going to be voted on in two weeks. And then we're also um, working on ordinances to dissolve the Scorpion, the OCU, and the NTU unit. And I think there's enough momentum to do that. Um, but, I mean, I, I tell people all the time, you don't have to watch a video. You don't have to, like, re-traumatize yourself. I've never watched any of the videos of, of Black people being visually murdered by police. I don't think it helps. Um, and just, just telling folks that, like, if you need support, we can provide that. Um, our building chapter does a lot of work to provide support you know, for folks enduring this kind of trauma. Um, and, and I use that support. I go to therapy. I do yoga. I drink my water. Um, because I know that, like, we can't be abused to anybody if we're in that trauma, um, in that trauma space. Um, and I, I remind folks of that, like, you don't have to put yourself through that trauma to watch that video. You can't take action. Um, and, and what does that look like? And the police chief saying that they want things to be peaceful to clear things up. We've never not been peaceful in protesting. Every, every protest I've, I've been at has been peaceful. Disrupting commerce and disrupting the status quo, doesn't mean that we, you know, are being violent. It means that we're doing what we need to do to make sure you understand that this isn't okay. And um, anytime something has happened, I know we had a protest in 2020 where someone broke uh, a small black business's window. We paid to get it fixed. Like We, as the community, raised funds and fixed the window because we don't tolerate that. We just want to make sure that we hit the streets and let people know that you know we're not playing it.
0: Right. And I imagine it's the same in Memphis as it is here in Oakland, California and other Bay Area cities that if things do escalate to, so first of all, property crime is not violence. Dragging mm-hmm. a 29-year-old motorist out of his car and beating him to death is violence. Um, mm-hmm. And I imagine that similar in, in Memphis as it is here, when things do escalate um, or if people do end up getting injured, it's the police who are doing the escalating and the police that are injuring uh, the people who are in the streets.
1: Yep. We we just had that talk yesterday with the DA, like that you can't ask us to be peaceful when you know that these officers get out here and they escalate things on purpose because they they want to hurt people. So they escalate it to where it needs to be so that they can make an excuse for assaulting people.
0: Amber Sherman, something that's bothered me about uh, the narrative that I've seen, uh, uh, you know, in, uh, in mainstream media about this incident is that the mainstream media is making a huge deal um, about the that all five cops uh, are black. Can you talk about why this is a red herring? Why actually this is irrelevant piece of information? Because the policing and the system of policing is inherently white supremacist. Like it's. Is literally a system of white
1: supremacy. And the fact that those black cops join a system of white supremacy, um I mean, that, that's irrelevant. Like, we're still perpetuating that violence, that white supremacy, that racism onto people, no matter what the race of the officers are, because the race of the people who are being murdered is still black. And trying to, you know, focus on the race of the officers, we're not highlighting the fact that this is still happening to black people over and over and over again, it's just an excuse and a way for them to try to put the, the, um, the spotlight on something
0: else. I mean, it's very similar to what well, black people own slaves too, right. Um, trying to mm-hmm. remove the racism, the violence of white supremacy out of the conversation. And, and it's, it's quite insulting uh, to the intelligence mm-hmm. of black folks. Um, Amber, two firefighters I, I, I saw were also fired. What role did they play? um so we were just told that they
1: were fired for not uh following like protocols on the scene uh one of our key demands is also releasing the names of everybody involved and if we don't know who those firefighters are um and when i spoke with the da and um if i get a chance to speak with the police she's going to tell them the same thing like we're asking for transparency in the whole situation and everyone's focused on the body cam footage but we're focused on who the people are like who are these firefighters who is the the rest of the people who are on that scorpion unit to the unit of eight people so where were the other three people are they being investigated what does that look like like i want all names released i want the files everything because as they fired those five officers and we've been able to look into their files we see that several of them had other incidents where they had beat inmates in jail that they were accused of um, where they had had dangerous interactions with other civilians on other traffic stops and assaulted them and that previous scorpion unit had just Stopped someone four days before and put a gun to his head. when We he was walking home from buying a pizza.
0: Sorry. Uh, d- demands to release the names of everybody involved. What are what are what are the other demands of both community and the family?
1: Uh, to charge the uh, the family wants to charge with capital murder. Um, releasing the body cam. Uh, we, as a community with um, Official Black Lives Matter Memphis and decarcerate are asking for the end of protection traffic stops, um, ending the use of uh, marked cars and plainclothes officers, and dissolving those multi level gang units, the different task units that they keep creating to quote unquote uh, decrease crime that literally are only increasing the amount of violence the citizens are enduring.
0: I want to latch on to one of those demands that's about cops inside of traffic stops. I know we uh, here, the Anti-Police Terror Project, we're getting ready to run a bill at the state level to try to remove police um, from traffic stops. Um, wh- where is that work at in Tennessee?
1: Yeah, so um, we are specifically targeting local government just because I know California is a bit different in the way your government is structured and y'all have more like a, Progressive base, and we just don't have that in Tennessee. So we're specifically targeting our our city council, and then also going to be targeting our county commission to end the use of um, police and traffic enforcement as well. Um, and one of those will be coming up soon in the city council, and then we'll be working on the county commission. But our best bet is to to target those because our city council has a, a democratic majority, our county commission has a democratic majority, and it won't be uh, such a, a hard fight for votes.
0: Yeah, and here in California, like we can do the education at the local level, which we're going to have to do. But it's a state; it's part of the state constitution, um, mm-hmm. uh, in terms of who can and cannot pull people over. And so we've got to we got to go from the top down. Um, unfortunately, um, Amber, what 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 are you asking for those of us outside of Tennessee to do? How how can we support? What do you all need in terms of solidarity and mutual aid?
1: um definitely uplifting the demands of the family and, and those that we have at, at the different orgs that i, I represent and also um, donating to our, our bail fund and just sharing um what like work with the, we, the work that we'll be working on um in the coming week because we're going to be doing a lot of like policy movement and a lot of organizing um but just supporting us uh, supporting the bail fund and, and whatever funds aren't used for that will also be used for like therapy and other needs um is what we normally do uh just because it's
0: gonna be um, a lot it's gonna be up for <laughs> yeah it is well uh you know we on this show law and disorder we will be covering this please reach out to us anytime our platform is helpful and of course uh you know you've got the solidarity and support of the anti-police terror project thank you so much amber sherman for coming on our show and for your work
1: Thank you. I appreciate it. And I've been following the work of the Impact Police Care Project. I've been on a few calls with you before. So I really appreciate it, y'all, uh, reaching out and, you know, just the solidarity in general.
0: Yeah. Well, we all we got, sis. You've been listening to Law and Disorder, a podcast where we expose the cracks in our system, agitate for resistance, and collectively build a new world in which all of us can thrive.